You found a podcast where you'll hear the truth And we will praise Jesus' name We stand for the Bible and won't back down from it Although it don't bring much fame Some folks will like it, some will try to deny it But God's word will always stand true Tried in the fire, still good. Hello, friends and faithful listeners. It's time for the Pod King Bible Study. I'm your co-host, Donald King, and I'm joined by the host of this study, Brother Donnie King. On this podcast, we study the Bible from its original languages so we can understand the Word of God more clearly. We look at current events and news in light of scriptures, and we also examine some of the things going on within our culture from a biblical perspective. This is Friday, July the 21st, special edition number 91 with Brother Josh Ritchie. In our last study, we talked about the giver of grace and truth, and we had a great time talking about every Christian's favorite subject, Jesus Christ. We covered a lot of territory, and we believe you will enjoy it. So listen in today. In today's episode, we interview Brother Josh Ritchie from Brandsville, Missouri. Our topic, Christian Education. Brother Josh has a vision for helping people. Christian education is his burden. He will be making an announcement during this episode. We have a good old-fashioned interview today. As everyone knows, we are very much for Christian education and have been involved in it for years. You would definitely enjoy this interview today. Now for this lesson and the teaching of God's Word, I'll turn it to the host of our podcast, Brother Donnie King. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's an exciting adventure that we're off to. We're interviewing a friend of ours, Brother Josh Ritchie, and we're glad to have him on today. Yes, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we've had an interesting time getting to know each other. We've met each other just about two weeks ago or a little less, and we've really quickly hit it off, and we're, we got a lot of things that we are connected in and connected with to do with education, to do with Christianity, to do with preaching and pastoring. And I thought it'd be great to have Brother Richie come on the show. And there's a lot of things that we're going to be talking about today. First off, I'd like for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your family. Uh, Yes, sir. Thanks again. Well, my name is Josh Richie, or if you're my mother, it's Joshua. I still sign my name as such. But uh, my wife and I, Amanda, have been married for 15 years. We have three children. Josiah is 12. And a hope is nine, and our little Avonlea is uh, turning three years old this summer. We're blessed. We have also adopted a dog to the family for the first time. We have a beagle by the name of Boomer, and he keeps life very exciting as well. I can imagine. Well, you might would do good on podding me also. They like talking about their animals on there too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, You've got a rich history, it sounds like, in Christianity and different things. So I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about where you're from and where you are currently. Well, my wife and I both grew up in Dayton, Ohio. I spent um, all, most of my life there up until I was 21 years old in a, a Dayton, Miami Valley Fellowship. I've been in church all my life. I got saved when I was five, but also being raised in a Christian home, there's a few different times in my life when I remember thinking I needed to get saved again. You know, <laughs> anytime a preacher would come and, and tell the story or, or preach about lost people, I wanted to make sure Jesus was in my heart. Yes. Many times I remember that. Now, my parents didn't have as um, good an upbringing as I did. My dad was not raised in a Christian home. My mother was raised in a Baptist home. 
but they I didn't usually make the kids go to church. It was you know mainly for special occasions and such. My when my parents got married, they couldn't have children, and they were married nine years. Went through some pretty hard times in that. By God's grace and mercy, He was able to get a hold of my dad in particular, and my and my mother followed, and they got wow. saved. Thank God. One thing that my dad recalled after he got saved was he remembered just a few times as a child going to his grandparents' church in Kentucky. Uh, both sides of my family are from Eastern Kentucky. He would go to the Holiness Church that my grandparents attended, and he remembered their lively worship. He remembered the <laughs> excitement in the services. And so when when he finally got saved later, you know, in his 20s at that time, he, he went to looking for a church like that. He found one, and shortly thereafter, uh, they um, became expecting me. And I uh, was born within that next year, and I, I've often looked at that as God's grace in my own life. Amen. Allowing me to be born into a Christian home and family. Uh, Had I been born when they were married, it's hard telling what direction um, I would be in today, if even here. So praise be to God for his divine touch. Isn't that the truth? Well, I'm glad to hear that you've got roots from Kentucky because I definitely have quite a few roots from there myself. I'm not originally from Kentucky. I've got roots in several states. Now I'm in Oklahoma, but I had roots in Kentucky for about 28 years. And before that, the first 17 years of my life was in Georgia. So it thrills me to hear some kind of connection right there in the state of Kentucky. And you were in eastern Kentucky. I was in the western part of Kentucky, northwestern. And so it's wonderful to know where people come from, the connection points. Nearly everybody in holiness is connected to somebody else in holiness. I've learned if you're going to talk about people, you better talk about somebody from another group or fellowship, another kind of religion. Because if you say something about somebody goes to church anywhere that's a holiness church, you're going to run across somebody's family. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, there you go. (laughs) And so you're now currently pastoring in Brandsville, Missouri. Is that correct? That is correct. So how did you get into the ministry? How did you get called into the ministry? Wow. So where to begin? (laughs) So again, being raised in a Christian home, thank God for um, being in uh, churches that emphasize ministry, emphasize the calling of God and a separation from the world that to live a sanctified life isn't just about the things I don't do, but the things I do. Amen. And part of that is answering a call for, or rather answering a higher calling that there's, God has a calling for every Christian, every child of God. It might sound broad to say it, but I, I will say, anyway that every Christian, every born-again believer has a calling to fulfill, to answer, to hear, to do God's work in God's way, whatever capacity that may be. It's, it's easy to stereotype that as to pulpit, you're a preacher behind a pulpit, you're a singer, but there's so much more to that. And so um, I, I felt a calling as early as 14 years old to ministry. Again, I got saved when I was five. I got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was nine at youth camp, a kid's camp. And it was I was 14, attending a Christian school. And I believe in ninth grade, there was an emphasis to giving your life to the Lord, letting the Lord work in your heart, letting him sanctify you, finding a work to do. I think being in a Christian school helped to emphasize that even greater than a Christian family. I mean, thank God, I guess I, I wouldn't trade a Christian home and family for anything, but it was being reinforced 
Yes. At, a, at my Christian school. And so I remember reading a, a sermon book. Again, probably wouldn't have done that if it was on my own. <laughs> yes, but sir. it was something associated with what we were doing at school. And, I, and after reading that sermon, I felt this intense burden on my heart. And I, I sensed it was the Lord dealing with me that he wanted to use me to help other people. Thank God. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I didn't know what capacity. I didn't sense any calling to preach or teach or anything of that category, but I knew that I had to spend my life somehow to be able to reach out and help other people in some way. That is amazing. I'm thrilled of the calling of God, and you remind me of a couple of scriptures just by hearing you speak about that. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, according to Romans eleven twenty nine. But 1 Corinthians 1 and 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God causes those who will be usable. Amen. He calls people to use them, but he can only use those who are usable. And I love the way Paul words that in 1 Corinthians 1 and 26 when he says, For you see your calling. I believe that when you are first called, you only have the recognition that, hey, I'm being called. God's got to work for me. He's got a calling on my life. But you know what? It takes years of developing that to truly see your calling. Once you see your calling, then you can have a vision for where your calling is taking you. And that's powerful to hear where your beginnings are, because when you see where the beginning was, you begin to look at it and you can see where it's shaping you and hitting you. The very thing that you received your calling for is where a lot of your burden is. So here's what the Bible says further in 1 Corinthians 7 and 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. So here you received a calling and you gave us a little bit of a hint of where that calling come from. You were in a Christian school reading a book that was just inspired by God somehow, and it inspired you, and you felt a calling upon your life, not really knowing what it was yet, but you knew God was wanting to use you. And the Bible says for every man to abide in that same calling wherein he was called, which is just amazing considering what we're fixing to be talking about here in just a few moments. You have a long history of Christian education. That means that you were involved in it as a child in Christian education. But then as you began to grow older and age, you stayed in Christian education for quite a while. Tell us a little bit about your time there. Yeah, so the, the Christian school that I was attending in junior high and high school was a very small school. Almost, um, some might call it a one-room schoolhouse, although we, we did have more than one room, <laughs> more than one teacher. There was uh, combined classrooms. So you had like your preschool, kindergarten, shared a room. There was elementary, middle school, kind of, and a high school. Being a part of a small Christian school was uh, afforded me the opportunity to have some hands-on practice. They, they allowed older students to help teach the younger under supervision of a main teacher, of course. But I got to do a little bit of teaching That's awesome. uh, in high school with younger students and uh, really valued that opportunity. I found out that I loved it. Not that I was good at it, but <laughs> I at least enjoyed the opportunity to uh, get to teach and share uh, with the lives of other students. I think at any age level, when you're able to see those, um, what we call those light bulb moments in yes. someone else's life, or they get something, they get a concept or they, they understand the truth. That means so much. And it's, uh, I enjoyed being a part of it. After graduating high school, uh, I actually um, went a, uh, about three years not going to college or uh, pursuing anything in that. And to try to keep a, a long story short, uh, God was doing a lot of things in my own life cultivating, pruning, 
preparing me for the next step. So I, I, I worked full time at a job um, and s- still was able to help with the school a little bit in some um, just coming in and substituting from time to time. But God started deepening my burden for education. There for a while, I actually went up to my principal, Sister Pat Norvell, one of the major influences in my life, a friend of my family. I went up to her and said, I feel like the Lord wants me to teach. And wow. if you've got a position for me to teach, I would love to do it. And you know what she told me? She said, I think that's great, but you're not going to come here and teach. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Anyone that knows her or knew her, uh, she's in glory now, but knew that she had quite a sense of humor and she didn't, um, she would just tell you the way it was, wow. you know, and she said, what you need to do is you need to go to school. Wow. You need to get to college. You need to develop yourself. And then you can come back. And if the Lord wants you to take over the school, which I wasn't even looking to take over a school, I was just <laughs> wanting to teach. You know, that was yes. and that that was not even in the in my mind at the moment. But she knew better. And I I was yes. just thinking from within a capacity that I had, I had a burden. I wanted to go do something. Yes. And and there's there's a truth in that. Sometimes people get a touch of the Lord and they they feel like they're going to jump and go and do right away Uh when God has some more preparation for him. Wait on the Lord. Wait, I say on the Lord. Great counsel. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So with that in my mind, I I really started earnestly praying about where to go. I I had a burden for Christian education. I didn't want to go to a secular school to get educated to teach in a Christian school. Amen. And so the Lord opened doors and opportunities that I was able to attend Ozark Bible Institute in Yosho, Missouri. I went there for Christian education. And while I was there, I believe it was one of the years I got to travel with a ministry group in the summer. The Lord called me to preach at a youth camp we were working at. Wow. And after that, I not only wanted Christian education in my training, but I, I wanted to get a Bible degree too. So I, I stayed five years and I, I got a bachelor in Christian education and then a bachelor in biblical literature. My goodness, that's wonderful. Sounds like you're set and ready to teach. <laughs> so you were there for five years as a student, but that didn't end there. You stayed there for a while afterwards. Is that not right? Yeah, we actually did go home for a couple of years. I got married while I was in Bible school. Um, Who doesn't? <laughs> no, I'm just yes. kidding. And, and Amanda didn't go to OBI with me. We, we grew up with each other. I tease her when I tell people that she didn't take any time to look my way until after I left Ohio. <laughs> the Lord put us together. We grew up with each other from kids camp, but it was while traveling with the school that we went to their church, her church on ministry and and our eyes met, and the Lord put us together. It was it was for such a time as that, right then and there. Sounds like God. Right? Yes. Thank so uh, God. we got married between my um, my third and fourth year. So she was able to kind of get acclimated to kind of being in Bible school without having to get the degree for two <laughs> yes, years sir. with me there. And then after graduating, we had a, a few opportunities, some for Christian schoolwork. Some had asked us about teaching and and some were even looking at principals. And I, I, I was excited. I was intimidated, but I really felt in my heart we needed to go back home to our home church. Yes, sir. There in the Dayton area. And we were, uh, upon our, our plans to go to return home, we were asked to become the youth leaders there. So we were youth leaders for two years. The whole time I was in Bible school, that was my intention was to go home and work in my church, not as a youth leader, but just to be a part of the church. That was my, my love and my heart. Wow. It's where God began to speak to my life. And I wanted to instill and give back what we were there. 
And the Lord started putting in our heart that there was more, that yes, God sir. had something else for us. It was a little scary. It was a little uncertain. <laughs> Through God's course of events in our life, I really sensed, at the time I didn't know it was this, but I sensed a desire to return to Missouri, to return to Neosho. Uh-huh. And um, we were there almost two years, and we're already looking to step down from our position at the church. And almost within the same time frame, we were approached by a man from the Bible school to come back and work. And so it's <laughs> it. Uh, we prayed about it. Of course, we prayed. Well, sure. But at this, we also just sensed God closing the door of our heart. Yes. And opening it where we needed to go. It just made sense. And um, I thank the Lord that yes, sometimes following him his will is not always crystal clear but he always knows how to put things in your heart put burdens and direct you yes and that's exactly what happened first we returned to obi i worked in the business office of all places that wasn't (laughs) teaching full-time that wasn't of that sort and I, i i failed to mention while we were youth leaders i was teaching in a christian school in ohio we so we had two years working up there um teaching in a high school in charge of the high school department and that that was a learning experience for me. I, <laughs> I may can have, imagine. I may have tried to teach, but I probably learned more than I did on the teaching aspect. Yes, sir. Well, one thing I've noticed is that God always knows how to bring about the right connections to get you to the place you need to get. He's providential. He's sovereign. He knows how to do all of these things, but he, he knows that we don't know how to do these things. He knows that we're out there just trying to find his will, do his will. And so he'll open up a door and we sometimes don't even see the door till we're walking through it. Sometimes you have it loud and clear, right in your focus. You've got the vision, you're heading towards it, but it sounds like that you've been led by the Lord, guiding you through your life. And as you've gone through this, this is kind of how you and I met. I like bringing this part out for some reason. I think my listeners will get this. You've been a listener to the podcast here for a little while, and maybe more than a little while. I'm not sure. But anyway, you've been listening, and you reached out to me, contacted me. We talked and began just visiting over just several different things. And during the course of visiting, we noticed we had a lot of things that we were similar on, a lot of connective points that we had shared some of the same feelings and burdens. And after speaking to you on the phone, I sensed your burden and your passion for Christian education. And when I began to sense that, I felt a strong connection that there was something in your life that was needing to be brought forward that would be able to help people. And you told me a little bit of what it was. So you have a little bit of an announcement that you'd like to make, and I want to give you a platform to do so right here today. Well, I appreciate that. Yes, we we met through the podcast. Really, uh, I wanted to reach out. I felt compelled to reach out and build a relationship. I am a firm believer in building relationships with the people of God. Yes. To do God's work, God's way, the best we can in the last days. Amen. And so one one of the focuses again we're we're pastoring when we're in our second year pastoring at Brandsville Pentecostal Mission, and we absolutely love it. I love the, the opportunity to pour into our, our local body of believers. Amen. My uh, my history up to this point has been Christian education, and that has been with the academy and working in a Bible college, teaching and influencing um, young people of different ages. While we're pastoring, we've been working with, uh, well, we've been homeschooling our kids. So I went from educator to 
a homeschool teacher, uh, and uh, that is a, a new learning curve in itself. And those that have done it, you know it's not for the faint of heart. Reach on, brother. <laughs> so um, in the area that we're working in, I, I've had a burden for Christian education, not so much as in starting a, another Christian school at this point. If God grants that, then so be it. But in building community among our Christian educators of like-minded faith, especially um independent Pentecostal holiness fellowships in general that are like-mindedness, we need each other. When we read in Hebrews about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, what's most of the time people are using that in reference to attending church, being assembled Uh together. It's so much the more as you see the day approaching. But I, I would like to broaden that to all Christian ministry, how much more we need each other assembling ourselves together Yes. And there's nothing like being in person. No, don't misunderstand me. In the community that comes from fellowship, and, and in particular, Christian education is what I'm feeling a burden to bring community to. I, I've spoken to many school teachers, principals among our fellowship through for, for years as we've been privileged to travel and, and primarily with the Bible school, but just getting to know people in fellowships and schools that they're, they're all going through things. They're all struggling. They're all trying to do the best they can with yes, usually sir. limited resources. And so I'm going to be starting a podcast myself, one of many that's out there. I know there's a lot of podcasts already. About three years ago, God put it on my heart to have a target audience for Christian educators. So it may not fit everybody. But if, if you are um, interested in Christian schoolwork, whether it's in the Christian academy, college, uh, maybe a Christian education department of your church, Sunday school is a form of Christian education. That's right. It need not be taken uh, lightly. It is for some families, some kids, it may be the primary source of education they're going to get. Yes, sir, it is. And so um, I, I want to establish a podcast to help foster community among our like-minded uh, Pentecostal educators. Speaking to that point you just made, I have talked to many people that grew up in church, but their family did not have any form of special devotions with their children, nightly devotions, morning devotions. They grew up going to church, but there was no teaching whatsoever in the home. Sunday school teachers, you don't know how vital your job is when that child comes in. Yes, they may have been raised in church. Yes, their dad may even be a preacher sometimes. But don't take it for granted. They know everything that they need to know. Teach them, and I promise you, you're going to find out that in teaching them, they will learn. And this is what I love about this burden that you're sharing with us today. You have a desire to take what others know and help those that don't know it to be able to have that knowledge themselves. Absolutely. We know from the scripture that education starts at home. It starts with mom and dad. Yes, it does. Bringing them to Christ and teaching them the truth that comes only from God's Word. Living in a, in a complex world, we have to know how to communicate to this world effectively. That's right. As Christians, that's our primary objective is to get them to Christ. But we also have to be able to interact in the world that we live in, whether it's in understanding sciences, being able to communicate effectively, by learning proper grammar, That's right. <laughs> knowing how to use mathematics, all of this can be done for the glory of God. That's we don't, right. We don't have to follow secularist ideologies, but it can be in, our, in a Christian foundation. And so, uh, again, Christian school teachers usually start because they feel that burden too. 
And then it's easy to get overwhelmed because maybe you don't feel like you have the expertise. Maybe you're limited on the financial resources to be able to develop your own education, get a better degree, or having the tools that you need to adequately teach, not to mention human resources. That's right. It's not for the faint of heart. It is very (laughs) hard work. It's thankless many times. I've known of church schools that have had to close because there was a lack of one or the other. I think sometimes churches um, look at Christian schools as a, as a money pit and not as a home mission. We can collect money. We can raise funds and support missions around the world, Christian schools in other countries. But to put that money into a home church school, uh, it, 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 we, we say it has to operate as a business. It has to be self-supporting. I've seen that fail so many times because it was mismanaged and they felt like somehow it had something to do with the education part. I don't understand it. I was the administrator of a Christian school for six and a half years. I didn't have to be in the classroom every day, but I chose to be in the classroom. I like that being around the children, being able to help teach them. We taught ACE, answering their flags, talking to them, being able to be one-on-one, taking breaks with them. And I've seen it when the parents loved the fact that they were in a school, they had education education going, but other people began to look at it. Well, it's just cost in the church. It's cost in the church. We can't afford this. We can't afford not to have these things. We must make sure our children have an education. Some people have the mindset, Brother Richie, that your son, when he gets 15, 16 years old, bless God, let him dig ditches or build buildings, whatever. He don't have to have no education to do that, swing a hammer. Well, we're in a different age now than it was 40 years ago. He may dig ditches. He may build a building, but he also may sit in an office somewhere and do computer technology. He may be a scientist. Who who knows what he may become? The girl, well, she's just going to marry and have babies. Well, what if she doesn't? She needs an education. And if she is going to marry and have babies, she still needs to be literate and not be illiterate. When Paul said, I've become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Uh I've often thought that in regard to how I communicate the gospel in a frame of reference that uh, whether I'm speaking to the elites in upstate New York or just talking out at a campground in the deep south, I want to be able to have the the correct wording to be able to relate to the people that I'm talking to, regardless of any other social differences or backgrounds. Having a, a proper education in a biblical Christian perspective, I believe, affords me to do that. I don't want to limit my scope of ministry by lack of preparation yes. or by be thinking I'm so educated that I'm so much better than everybody else. Yes, um, sir. <laughs> Paul even talked about condescending to men of lower estate. Amen. That doesn't mean I'm any better than anyone, but I shouldn't just use my Christianity as an excuse to allow the Holy Ghost to fill my mind. I, I need to take time to study. I need That's to take right. time, whether it's preaching a sermon, but also in being able to interact and bring people to Christ in this world. Degrees don't mean everything. I've heard people say that uh, sometimes the more letters attached to your name, the less common sense you've got. <laughs> let's use a pun on grammar here. Common sense ain't common. That's right. It's not common. That does not do away with the need to properly study, properly prepare, That's right. properly train. And so again, I, I know pe- people have various opinions on should the church have a school? Should the church start a Christian school? Is it the church's business? We said earlier, the primary responsibility of educating children comes with the parents. Yes. But the church is the community that that the family should be engaged with. 
and any other ministry that's coming from the church. It should help assist families in their relationship with God and their service to the world around them in outreach. And so uh, whether it's a Christian school or a Christian co-op, there's a lot of different ways to educate, but we we need each other in the process. Yes, we do. We need to help each other, and that's what this podcast is going to be about. I want to help foster community and cultivate professional development to our unique learning environment. Something I've noticed in attending Christian conferences, Christian school conferences, is there's a lot of large Christian schools that exist, and they do very well. They don't really meet the needs of our fellowships as a Pentecostal people. Just the dynamic is different. Again, oftentimes the resources are different. Yes, sir. And to attend some some of those larger meetings can tend to make one feel intimidated or very inadequate. And I want to help, along with any other Christian educator out there, I just want to help be another voice and bring community and say, hey, you can do this. There's people doing it all over for the glory of God. We can connect, whether it's through personal story, sharing some resources that have helped one another. You've answered my next question, which was going to be, what is your vision for this podcast? So I I think I see your vision very clearly right now. And my next follow-up question to that is, What type of resources are you thinking about offering? Do you have anything in mind as of right now? Yes, I've got some things in mind that I'm hoping to be able to bring out in the future. To get started, I really want to bring in some personal testimonies, not just myself, but some other educators to hear how they get started, how they got started, what God is doing in their life now, where they go from here, what do they do when they get down. What have they used in their school that seems to work to help yes. promote a community within a class? How, how do you keep a spiritual element and an academic element at the same time? That is usually the struggle in a Christian school is how do we keep it very spiritual and very academic? <laughs> yes. It's almost impossible to balance right. that. I believe that you can. I believe it's not to sacrificing one for the other, That's but it's right. being able to enhance both for the glory of God. One thing I I learned while teaching school and being the administrator is burnout is a serious thing. When a person is doing it because of necessity more than burden, you'll get burned out faster. But everybody faces a form of burnout. Normally, in a nine to 10 month segment of your year that you're spending educating others, you have somebody pour into you. And so if you don't have that, you'll burn out. And somewhere long about right after the Christmas break, some of the teachers will start burning out, getting tired, getting weary. Sometimes by the sixth, seventh month, they know that they've only got a couple months to go. Those last two months are far longer than the first two months of school. And so you begin to see the students get tired of being in school. You get tired of dealing with them. And so I think this would be a wonderful tool, what you're talking about, to be able to help them safeguard against burnout while keeping them with resources that they can have strengthening their resolve to stay in. According to what all that you have going right now, could you give us a little information of how to be able to reach out to you or get connected with your resources and to be able to find your podcast or the name of it? Yes, it's called Connection Point, and you can uh, check it out at www.connectionpoint.life. We should have the podcast up and running by the time of this recording. And if not, you can go to the website and find the information where uh, we'll be able to connect and have some other resources that will be coming up here in the future. So looking forward to it. That sounds outstanding. 
And let me encourage all of our listeners, if you're interested in this, please check it out. Look into it. If you know someone who would be interested, send them the information. Get them in touch with Brother Josh. As a matter of fact, maybe you have some information that he could use and you want to reach out to him and tell him of a resource you know about that was helpful to you. I'm sure he would welcome all of this kind of correspondence. Before we close this today, though... You're an accomplished musician. I'd like for you to tell us just a little bit about your background on piano for just a moment. Well, accomplished might depend on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe apprenticed. Uh, no, I, uh, the Lord's allowed me to, to work in music ministry uh, for a number of years. I play the piano. I tried to play the drums. It never really worked out. But I do play the piano, and my, my family and I sing. I've given lessons off and on through the years, and uh, time has usually restrained me from really developing that. But along with this podcast, also at ConnectionPoint.life, uh, you can look that up, and um, I'm beginning to do uh, online piano lessons. So uh, that's coming out and looking to do a subscription base on that. If you are interested, um, I teach playing by ear using the chord method. And doesn't, the that, doesn't that hurt when you use your ear? <laughs> yes, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you asked about how I about the the background there and as a young person i wanted to be a drummer that never happened but my grandmother wanted me to be a piano player and she went as far as to find an upright piano and buy it and have it delivered to our house got with a, a guy in a truck and didn't tell my parents until it was on its way <laughs> and so um, because of those circumstances i found myself shortly thereafter getting enrolled in piano lessons and so i took three years by sheet music that's the school i was attending at the time that was all that they offered you know I, I got by i didn't really i just didn't get into it a whole lot but after the three years i changed schools my, my grandmother actually passed away during that time and so just kind of lost the focus to do it that's when we moved and I changed schools and i started going to the, the church school and it was there that many know um, brother david and sister ruth brim they were pastoring in ohio at the time they were my wife's pastors growing up they joined with the school putting their kids there and she was teaching music and piano i know it was the lord put it in my heart just to ask if she had an opening my mom was a little surprised and i said i asked about doing lessons again and she said okay <laughs> and so <laughs> i started with sister ruth brim she taught me for a, well i got a few years with her and then when they left i left the church there in ohio and now of course they're at granite city illinois but she asked me to take over her piano lessons then and I did not think I could, did not think I had the ability to do it. She saw something in me that I didn't see, and uh, I was able to work to get through it. <laughs> After having lessons with her, I, I went on and got some more lessons, learned a little bit more about the theory and, and how to put it all together. And so I'm, I'm happy to share what I know. I, I am not the expert. There are better ones out there, but I am happy to share what the Lord's given to me. That is wonderful. When people teach piano, I have noticed through the years, many of them go and they begin by teaching either the blues or by classical. How do you start off? Maybe I'm somewhere in the, in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> classical so, blues. <laughs> maybe so. So I have, you know, there's some Pentecostal runs that what we call that you play that some might say could be blues or jazz or, uh, or whatever. Black gospel. Black infused. gospel, a lot of that. But um, I actually, I enjoy playing the slow stuff too. And that might yes, have sir. a more classical sound to it. I really emphasize the melody 
the, the faster the song, the less melody you're going to have. Exactly. But even, you know, a lot of the, the congregational songs that we sing out of the songbook, I love to put the melody in there. It's like a goal I have. I love that. If I'm playing the piano and nobody is singing, it's my goal that people will know the song by yes. the melody. They'll hear it, and then they can resonate with it. You know, it may sound all pretty or fancy, but if they don't know what you're playing, they're not going to get the message of the song. All musicians take note right there. <laughs> I'm a musician myself, and it just eats me alive. Just because you can eat it up, that's great. But when nobody knows what you're eating up, <laughs> it's kind of hard to get with. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on today, Brother Josh. We're thankful that you're with us, and maybe you can come back sometime. I would love that. Thank you again. It's good to get to know you all. Amen to Christian education. Remember, folks, if you have a Bible question or a question regarding how news or current events or things going on in our culture are connected to Scripture, drop us an email at dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. That's dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. We hope you've enjoyed this episode today, sharing God's Word. But until next time, may God bless you all. Be sure and come back next Monday, July the 24th, for episode number 126, John's Testimony. He's done so much for me, this I know. Will it change my heart all around? Put my feet back on the ground, got along. Now for heaven I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. To that land where the milk and honey flow. Oh, I've heard of such a place, I can't go there by God's grace. Never seen it, but I know I want to go.